What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Buero Bulldogs. Before we get to the episode, I want to give a big thank you to the Fantasy Football Dudes podcast. If you play fantasy football, you need to be listening to the Fantasy Football Dudes podcast on their latest episode. They go through all the Week 13 matchups, and they're going to give you their starts, sits, and picks. And they're also going to do a Christmas song draft. Very interesting. Also want to say a big thank you to my friend Josh Wolf. Pest Control Advisor at Simplot. If you have any fertilizer, chemical, and specialty product needs, call Josh Wolf at 559-567-9500. All right, let's get to Tim Brando. He is calling the Mountain West Championship game. He is a Fox commentator. He goes all around the nation calling football games and basketball games. We had a lot of fun, and I want to say thanks again to Tim for coming on and doing this with us. Go dogs. All right, well, we have Tim Brando here. Tim, thank you once again for joining us. Happy December, December 1st. Uh, you're calling the game Mountain West Championship. By the way, just so you know, Tim, I'm Caleb. We're going to make this really easy for you. I'm Caleb, okay. and uh, the, Caleb. Guy, the guy next to me is Caleb as well. So. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb and Caleb Squared. I like it. Yeah. Well, yep. I can't screw up that name. I wish more <laughs> I wish more players had the same name. That would make the job a lot easier. <laughs> you ever you, – you know the CNC factory, music factory? Yeah, we're, yeah. The C, we're the CNC football factory. Oh, I there love that. I there you love go. that. Very nice. <laughs> Okay, so I don't know what you can say. I know we're not going to make you pick anybody or anything like that, but but we're just going to talk about football and ask you some questions. And sure, and sure. I, and and I'm, uh, you know, I really had a nice conversation, um, and I wanted to do this later in the week with you guys because I had a nice conversation yesterday with uh, Coach Tedford and his staff with Kirby Moore, and you know, gosh, you're your defensive coordinator <laughs> and I go back all the way to long before you were born. Uh, he's from Staten Island. Uh, Kevin is, and he was uh, coaching Gordy Lockbaum at Holy Cross when I was doing game day, the original host of college game day. And we were touting Gordy as the two way player, both offensively and defensively for the Heisman. I think he finished, fifth or sixth in the Heisman that year at Holy Cross. Wow. And uh, so I go, I go far back with Jeff and, and, and really far back with uh, Coyle. And, uh, you know, you're in the business as, as long as I've been in it, it's, it's a small business. And a lot of times you're going to run into, you know, crusty guys that are your age or older. <laughs> he's my age. He's 66. Your defensive coordinator. And, of course, uh, Jeff is, I think, 60, 61, something like that. So they've been around. And then on the flip side, um, you know, Dirk Cutter, gosh, uh, I called. Last time I saw Dirk, he was coaching uh, Jameis Winston uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Green Bay uh, after Rodgers got hurt. And they had called me in to do a December NFL game. And I think Dirk was already getting – getting his bags packed because he knew that <laughs> the end was near. Jameis was about to th throw his 30th pass interception on the season. So I've got history with all these guys, you know, uh, when you, 
you've been around uh, the sun a few times like I have. Uh, it's funny the guys that you run into. And then you meet younger coordinators too, good guys like Kirby that um, you remember as players. Gosh, I, I remember Jeff as a player, you know, and, and Coach Sweeney and Pat Hill and, you know, all those guys, the history I, I, I remember fondly at, at Fresno. So this is, uh, in a lot of ways, both teams, a proud tradition really for both. Reborn is what we're talking about here. To me, that's sort of one of the, the themes that I'm working on with regard to the game because, no, it's a championship game that doesn't have any, you know, playoff implications, but that doesn't matter. What matters is the history and tradition of these two programs, and they're both stout. They both have a lot of history and tradition, and I think for either team, after what they went through, you know, uh, really difficult times in the middle of the season, uh, early in the season and middle of the season for, for really – uh, for you guys when you lost Hainer uh, and then to, to somehow get Fife up to speed to win two games so that Hainer could come back and do what he did against San Diego State, that's that's heady stuff. So uh, I've just been looking through the storylines, uh, but I wanted to talk to the coaches and get a read on from their perspective before, you know, we visited this week. So I'm glad we were able to do it here. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. Is now I wanted to ask you this: Is there a, a, a like a favorite player? Maybe I'm stealing up Caleb's question. A favorite player all time that you've had from Fresno State? Wow, hmm. could be any any sport too, because we we know that you cover a lot of basketball as well. So if it's a basketball yeah, player gosh. or football, yeah, some of those guys at Tarkad were characters. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Give me, give me like, could you give me like three or four to choose from? Give me like, oh. give, me, give me like three or four great Fresnos. I guess maybe I'd have to go with Carr. I guess I'd have to go with him, right? Yeah. Uh, because at the time, I don't think you had had a quarterback quite like that at no. Fresno State. He was a transformational quarterback at mm-hmm. that time. And, uh, Sweeney, in a lot of ways, uh, was viewed a little bit like a Bill Walsh type, you know. Um, and Walsh was not that far removed from Stanford and with the 49ers at the time that Sweeney was at Fresno. So he was a little bit of a uh, – there was a little bit of a mad scientist kind of feel with Sweeney and some of the things that they were doing offensively at that time. So – off the top of my head, I'm going to go with with Carr. Does that work? Oh, that's great! You can't Absolutely. pick. A, you yeah, can't I mean, pick a better quarterback. He, he is a legend. Both both of them are legends in Fresno. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, on but, the, but, on I, the... but I think the first one was like, whoa, you know, I was yeah. like, hmm, this is a he's in Fresno State, and it was um, and you had big wins with him. I mean, big wins mm-hmm. uh, that will you know last forever. So. Uh, that's a great one, though. I'm glad you guys brought that up. You're getting me on. You're getting me psyched now for Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So on, uh, staying on the topic of quarterbacks, um, you know what? What's your analysis here of you know this Fresno State team and Boise State team? I mean, on Fresno State side, we have six-year senior Jake Hayner, really experienced. Boise State side, you know, retro freshman Taylor Green. I mean, really two polar opposites. So what? What's your perspective there on you know the quarterback play uh, coming up? Well. 
Um, to me, it looks like Cutter decided to simplify and let the run game control. And then by simplifying, he made he made this kid a better quarterback. I mean, he is a dangerous guy to defend when he when he tucks it and runs. Your your team with with Hayner back is able to run the full complement of the offense that it couldn't run when Fife was there. So you had to manufacture some offense. Do what you could do with the personnel around. You had to lean on Mims. You had to lean on uh, your tight ends a little bit more. You had to try to, to, you know, play small ball and mm. and win. Well, with Hayner, you're anything but small ball. I mean, it's flying all over the place, and uh, he too has the you know the, the ability to beat you with his legs, uh, even though he's only about seventy five to eighty percent. I gotta tell you guys. We were talking with them uh, yesterday, and I was. It was so cool. Um, we really, Spencer and I are big on this, and a lot of a lot of coaches uh, in college, for whatever reason, just don't like to make their players available uh, to the, the the announcers, and um, and a lot of that I think stems from the way they treat the local press, and they don't want it to make it appear as though we're different but we are different. You know, we're calling a game. Our company pays millions of dollars for the rights to have the game. And so we, all we want to do is put the, you know, the best production that we can possibly produce and have, and have some stories that show that we've been following this team, you know, uh, as closely as any other team in the country. Now we all know that's not true. I'm flying around <laughs> doing games everywhere else, but you want to present, a championship game with storylines and you know with I've looked at tape of the, the the last game that you played against them in October I've looked at the most recent game uh that San Diego State game was incredible um but you just want to have some stories and you'd like to have access and so on a lark just after we did our uh zoom yesterday with uh all the coaches as I was talking about and we were kind of reacquainting ourselves a little bit. Uh, we were really lucky. Savannah was able to come up with, um, she was able to get us to, to Jake. And he was in a hyperbaric chamber <laughs> talking to us on his phone through the Zoom. And I have to tell you, I, I've talked to a lot of players in my time with the technology that we have today. But I'm pretty sure I've never talked to a player who was in the middle of getting uh, getting some work done in, in a hyperbaric chamber while he was talking to us. It was great. Just absolutely fantastic. And he told us, you know, we went through the story about uh, going to Washington and, you know, what happened with this, you know, losing coach. But Tedford had to leave because of illness and COVID. And then, uh, then, he, then he's off to Washington, you know, he's going to go with the staff that's going there. And then he hears that Jeff's going to get back in. And then he decides after he packed everything up, they were in boxes. He just never moved them. And um, that's just an amazing story, you know, about uh, doing what you think is the right thing for the betterment of, yes, you and your career. 
because I think staying here was going to help him in terms of, you know, the senior bowl, the, the uh, opportunity to play in that, the opportunity to, uh, to get invited to God knows how many combines, who knows, but uh, you know, just that familiarity and the understanding that coach Tedford had been on him for gosh, six, seven years to come, to come back and then have the injury that looks like it blows everything up, you know, at the Coliseum. I was watching that game that night and I just felt so sorry for him, you know, knowing everything that he had been through and then to have to be carted off like that. That's a miracle that he's back. I mean, it's just an absolute miracle, but Trust me when I tell you the uh, hyperbaric chamber will be mentioned <laughs> on telecast on Saturday. Very good. Yeah, that's 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 a really cool nugget. And yeah, Jake Jake's been really really good with the media. I mean, he he's been good to us. He's he's come on the show, and uh, so yeah. yeah, he's 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 been really good. Yeah, great kid. And uh, you know, looking at your offense, you've got a lot of weapons out there. You know, but they they weren't able to really be involved when he was gone and now it's like antennas up lights on you know i see the game fellas as their defense being the immovable object against your irresistible force that's what i see i see uh not that boise can't move the ball but when they do it it's going to be more conventional and uh you know it's not going to be there won't be a lot of high candy it's just going to be hey we're going to line up and do what we know we can do and uh what they can do is a lot if Helani is playing well and uh, and Taylor Green is, is giving them what they need uh, at quarterback. Helani and Genty are both both really tough runners. They destroy and they're, a phys- they're a very, very physical football team. Um, so I think they want to probably, you know, they, they want to limit the possessions. They want to play power football uh, and have an occasional explosive. All right. But, you know, keep the ball out of Hainer's hands and keep the, you know, the explosive nature of, of your offense on the sideline as much as, as possible. Sort of a, a minimalist approach, probably, from Boise in this game offensively. But if they can, if they can turn the game into, uh, you know, a run game with the clock going tick, 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 and keep possessions the number of possessions to Fresno State down a little, then it's going to be advantage Boise. That, and of course, their home team, which is huge for them. You know, it sort of balances it out, I think. Did Coach Coyle bring up their running game? Because they ran for over, I believe, 300 yards on yeah. this last time. Yeah, they, they, you know, when you look at the numbers from that game, why wouldn't you just line up uh, in an I formation or power, <laughs> and just run and just run inside zones, you know, all night. Um, just inside zone read all night. They, they they could that that could probably happen. And uh, uh, but I think he believes that that this is a better defense now than than you had, you know, in October. I think he does definitely believes that you've improved uh, since then. Uh, you know. You got to tackle better, and you absolutely have to get off blocks when you're playing against Boise State, you know. And uh, I think the memo has been received. You've got a great pass rusher in Perales. Uh, you've got, you know, in the passing game, your defense is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But against the run, I, you know, 
you're a little undersized, and as a result, you can be pounded. And I think that that's uh, that's one of the concerns, you know, for Fresno State. Yeah, well, but, I, I think one one of our big concerns this week is if Perales is going to be able to go. I mean, he he got banged up really bad last week, and so that's that's a big question. He did. Uh, I think that the feeling is, uh, you know, you get the game time decision uh, thing set all the time by coaches. And uh, this time of year, everybody's banged up, nicked up. But, I mean, look, uh, it's the last game. You know, after this week, you know, you, you, you got all you got all summer to uh, respond. You look at the numbers on him. Uh, you know, it's a it's an ankle and, and, and how how he responds if he's 100 percent early. If you only get a quarter and a half to two quarters out of him, you know, just give give him give him what you got mm-hmm. and then see what happens. But uh, that I think it's imp- it's important that he plays uh, and just uh, just to put some pressure on and make the offensive line of Boise have to deal with him because he's a he's one of those guys that just pops out on a scouting report, you know. Uh, and when you look at film uh, or any videotape of them, uh, ninety nine is the guy that just gets your attention. Tim, I'm going to change the conversation just a little bit away from the Mount West Championship. Three years ago, you're doing this thing called On Brando, and you were on, and it's on YouTube. And I saw it, and you were calling for a college football playoff expansion, and you said it's only going to happen if there's chaos in the SEC. Well, this year we got chaos, <laughs> and we also got a playoff expansion. So yeah, you were right on that. But we're a group of five guys, and I'm a little frustrated because conference championships don't mean a whole lot anymore in our world yeah is there ever a scenario where you think that conference champions of group of five other than just yeah oh no no this this, going to 12 is gonna you know it's my belief that um the term group of five will be out of the college football vernacular for good when this happens for good uh now you know a lot of fans don't quite understand, you know, when you're talking about, you know, they get mad and they say, well, I don't want to hear FCS and FBS anymore. Well, you got to hear FCS and FBS because there are two different levels of investments into college football at the FCS level and the FBS level. FCS is, is basically division one, double a football. All right. Which is the next step to division two, the NCAA governs FCS football. Okay. That's why they played in the spring during COVID. And they didn't try to play in the fall. FCS and FBS designation will always be there and must remain there. But when you're a Division I football program, and all of the group of five conferences are Division I football programs, you have the same rules, uh, you, you report at the same time, you're governed the same way as the Power Five, Autonomous Five, whatever you want to call them, uh, are governed. By having 12 teams and automatic bids by championship in the four top leagues, you're designating that winning a conference definitely matters, even more so than you currently are, all right? Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no question that a team like Tulane, provided they win, you know, the the, uh, American championship this weekend, if we were at the 12-team level this year, they'd be in. They would definitely be in. And I think that's going to be true for the Sun Belt. 
I think it's going to be true for uh, the Mountain West and for even, you know, they're struggling in transition to Conference USA too. You're play, if you're playing great football and it's noticed and you have a schedule that has, let's, let's say, by example, you're playing USC and you win the game, okay, mm-hmm. and then you go undefeated in the Mountain West, well, then you're going to be <laughs> – you're going to be in the playoff. You're going to make a 12-team playoff. I mean, you have the best resume of any of the what used to be called group of five and you win your conference championship, you're going to get in. I think it's going to stimulate schedules. I think everybody's going to want to play a better schedule. Even those schools in power conferences are going to have to schedule more big time games instead of, uh, you know, November FCS games before the rivalry weekend, which they've consistently gotten away with in the SEC. Uh, that'll come to an end. But but I, I believe you're going to see a paradigm shift in in everything in terms of the broad brush painting of uh, stereotypes about college football. Someone said to me tonight on Twitter while I was flying in, uh, I think the comment was, uh, you know, I, they saw the uh, – Heather Denich put out what the playoff would be with 12 teams uh, this year, the top 12 this year. So five versus 12, six versus 11, seven, 10, all that. And they were great games. And I was like, man, who wouldn't want to watch that? Some guy wrote back and said, I don't think it's that great of a lineup. And I said, no disrespect intended, but you're a fan of your team or your conference. You're not a fan of college football. Because if you're a fan of college football, you would recognize how, how, fun, how much fun it would be to watch those games if they could be played. And – a lot of fans are going to find this out. Uh, even some of those elitists in the SEC that think no, no football is played outside the Mason-Dixon line. Um, I'm telling you, but the, the reality is everybody's going to be caring about all of college football when we go to 12 because that many teams are going to be playing for the right to get into the 12. You know, two weeks of November, you'll have teams between 20 and 12 busting their hump to try to get in the top 12, you know, a team like South Carolina, by example, okay. That beat Tennessee and Clemson in back-to-back weeks. I mean, it would be vaulting into the hunt yeah. with an eight and four record. Who had a better back? Who's had better back-to-back victories than that in, in college football in recent years with upset wins. I mean, that's just unbelievable. But my point is you got to start paying attention to everybody and you will when we go to this, because so many more games are going to be so much more important. So fan, fans, you know, they don't they don't like being preached to, and I'm not trying to preach. I'm simply saying that what I had in mind three or four years ago, yes, it's become a reality. What I'm telling you now is you're going to see people that in the past only cared about their team and their corner of the country or their conference uh, – and you're going to see them start watching games from, you know, miles away that in the past they would have never watched because college football is going to be more national in scope with a playoff that's got 12 or 16. I actually think they ought to go to 16 and, uh, and bring teams one, two, three, and four into the mix. Imagine how much more excitement there would be if you had those top four teams playing at home on campus 
uh, you know, I, I would almost, I think, prefer being fifth and getting the home game in uh, and not getting stale waiting a week to play, you know, the winner of such and such game. I, I think that there's a lot more money to be made. I think the networks would pay a lot more money for the greater inventory and to have the big, the big stories involved in the first week of the playoffs. So, you know, we've got time. We'll see if, if that idea connects at some point, I think anything will connect when, when we're talking about money right. and, you know, there will be billions and billions of dollars for this, but I do think this is good news for, uh, you know, what we used to call the group of five. And I hope we don't call it that again. Um, Cincinnati helped forge this, you know, what Cincinnati did a year ago, what UCF did, you know, beating Auburn in the new Year's six bowl game when frost was there. Uh, it's at, you know, over time, it just added up and it mounted and, uh, the pressure got to a, a boiling point. And, uh, and now these guys are talking about, you know, gosh, 15 years ago, you, they didn't even want to hear the word playoff. You know, they, they didn't even want to hear the word playoff. And now they're like, oh, we love the playoffs. Let's extend it. Let's expand it. It's amazing what a little cheese will do. That's right. Uh, and television says, uh, hey, look, this is what we'd rather do. What do you think? So uh, I'm happy about it. If we if we just have 12, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I think it'll impact the game greatly. Uh, but we do have a little time between now and 2024-25. So – I think when they start looking at the television metrics on this, why would you sit down one, two, three, and four when they could play on the same weekend? You don't have to extend the dates any. You just let them play, you know, <laughs> let them play and check out those matchups when teams 16, 15, 14, and 13 go to one, two, three, and four. I think it would be, it'd be pretty good, you know? Yeah. You know, he's got to, he's, he's got to just, you know, he's, he's got to get healthy. Okay, he just, yeah. I mean, he's got to get healthy. But I think he he's hes the goods, man. You know, he was a Pac-12 talent mm -hmm. that just wasn't in the Pac-12. And he, he, he had, I guess maybe size could come up a little bit with him to some extent. But we've seen guys handle that issue in the past. I definitely think he's a pro. Mims is a pro in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I think uh, those receivers, there's a couple of them that are really good. I mean, really, really good. Uh, the young one, um, trying to think, he's got he's got three names. Help me out. Marino, Marino Cropper. Cropper. Marino Cropper. Marino Cropper. He's a senior, actually, but he's uh, he's he's a guy that he just – he's a stick mover. You know, he's a stick mover. And uh, I don't know if he's – I don't know if he's a draft pick necessarily, but he could catch on with the team because he's a he's a solid guy. I guess maybe Remigio is uh, is is the is the sort of explosive guy uh, that could um, could make a difference. But but I don't know enough about your team beyond those guys to know if there's anybody else that could go there. Uh, Sherrod is a pretty good back. Uh, it's backing up Mims. Uh, your backs are pretty good. Um, and those are the ones that jump out to me. Huh. Yeah. You got anything else for Tim, Caleb? 
you know, I think, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Tim. Um, you're well, a legend happy to do in it. the game. So, yeah, we appreciate well, you making time for us. I'm happy to do it. Uh, you're helping me uh, this and a little glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, babe, that's happy what I'm talking about. Year. Cheers. Right? <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, I've done Fresno State games, but I've never done a Fresno State game in Fresno. We, now, it's got to go way. Can... You got to go way back, but you know, before you were born. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never been to Fresno, and uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, gosh, your baseball team. You know, I, I did a lot of college mm-hmm. World Series in my early days at ESPN. Fresno State was always a factor in, in college baseball. You know, and uh, I kept up with them a lot, and. Uh, I want to say maybe I did a Fresno State game in baseball on the road in the Pac-12. Maybe at the, maybe at the sunken diamond against Stanford back in the day. Yeah, uh, we used to do Sunday night college baseball in the mid '80s. Again, way before you were born. Uh, <laughs> but I hope to come to Fresno sometime. You know, I'm big. We we've never done a game. I've never done a game on the blue field, and we were here to do the. Uh, a game, Boise against uh, San Jose State two years ago. Uh, it was no- November 27th, I think it was, of 2020. And Harson's team got COVID. They called the game off at about 10 in the morning. And so we came into town. We enjoyed it. We had a bite to eat. Did our meetings on Zoom. Everything was on Zoom during COVID. And, uh, you know, I was kind of bummed we, we didn't get to do the game. So now we, you know, fast forward two weeks later, it's San Jose playing in the championship game against Boise. And the game is in Vegas because San Jose State didn't have a stadium because of what? COVID. So we were at the silver, the old silver bowl in Vegas playing the Mountain West championship. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying on the Vegas strip. I couldn't believe that, but. So strange things happen. You just, you never know. But uh, who knows? The blue field might be white on Saturday. <laughs> hey, we, it might be to our advantage. <laughs> yeah, it might be. You never know, right? You never know. Uh, but thanks, fellas. I really enjoyed being on. Uh, you, you seem like great guys. And uh, I wish you well on the journey. And remember, the journey is the best part. Thank you very much, Tim. Awesome. You bet. Thanks, Tim. All we appreciate best. you. Take care. Merry right. Christmas. Merry Christmas.